0: Hey, welcome. It's a signful Podcast. Um, I'm here with Laura. Laura, how are you doing today? Good, good. Glad it's Friday. Yes, yeah, yeah. always. Like I said, it's a good way of ending our week. Well, technically, I work on Saturday, so my week's not over yet, but I I guess the time where I interact with more people is over. Usually, Saturday's a lot less busy, so it's good. Um, Yeah, so this is... (laughs) I don't know if it's controversial, but this is an episode that we're going to talk about today. We haven't really been looking forward to it for different reasons. Um, the Cigar Store Indian. And Laura, she said this to me privately. And Laura, you said this, I think we talked about this show off and on for the past couple weeks. You're not a fan of The Cigar Store Indian. No, it's, it annoys me. <laughs> well, let me, I, I wonder why you think about this, but I got a serious question to ask because, you know, it's to 2021 and we went to 2020 and, you know, there's a lot of race stuff that came up that we're trying to figure out. And it kind of made us think about how each of us reflect on race and everything. It it was funny because I looked at this episode as the writers were trying to look at race issues. And again, the show is about 30 years old. So race issues were, I mean, obviously racism was an issue back then, but the race is probably a little bit different in a different contexts. I, I guess the serious question I want to ask you at first is: Do you think, like, were they trying to make a big point about race? Were they just trying to mock racial issues? I—that's I, what I'm trying to get my hand around. I don't, I don't know what the what, what the answer is. It's a
1: good question. That's a good question. Um, I wrote down on my, in my notes that <laughs> this is kind of a cop out, but in their own special way, they forced people to think about tough issues. I mean, when you when you look at it, um, they this you know racial stuff. This was one um, old, like old people, you know, dealing with you know people who were aged. Um, The homosexuality was another one that they dealt with, Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, they they didn't really deal with them, you know, they were always basically taking the, you know, walking around the outside of the issue, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a comedy, so it's a comedy show and it's a comedy show. (laughs) As you know, as we all know, you know it's a comedy show about people who are really not that great a group of people, you know, at their base. So, um, I mean, that's I mean, what bothers me about it is that it's kind of like we I don't think we've ever talked, or maybe we have, about like there were there's reasons I don't like King of Queens and. You know, a lot. It took me a long time to like um, uh, what's the, uh, Ray Romano. the Everybody loves Ray. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I am not a fan of these types of the types of situations where there's always somebody like yelling at somebody. You know, like the, yeah. wife, the two wives constantly yelling. You know it's just annoying to me, you know, and I just, I never, I mean, I can understand why the, um, the girl in the show was upset, but like, when she kept getting mad at him and acting, you know, I mean, (laughs) it's, it's hard. This is a hard thing, you know, to talk about, but, I just, you know, the just watching that kind of anger is not like one of my favorite things to do. You know, I mean, you deal with you deal with like kind of nasty, you know, nasty people all the time, and I don't want to turn on a show and see nasty people. But, you know.
0: Well, I kind of wonder. I mean, Central dealt with race various times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most recent one, I, I guess, in our podcast that we have talked about was the one where. Elaine was dating a guy and you know yeah. she didn't know what race he was and he didn't know what race she was. Yeah. And I kind of liked how they dealt with it because yeah, I mean we talked about the racial aspect of it and man, if you really want to break it down, I and mean, we we could talk a lot more about it, I'm sure. But I kind of liked how they ended up with, oh, okay, let's go to the mall. And you know, he wasn't around that much more, so the relationship didn't continue and everything, but it wasn't like it, it wasn't dealt in a way where you're like, oh man, I, I want more. I don't like the way they did it. Yeah. I don't know. What kind of bothered me was they talked about it so long that I think they were trying to make a point even in a funny way. Um the the girlfriend, I didn't like how she responded to it because yeah, you know, depending on what race you are or or if you're feel strongly about issue. Yeah, you could get offended easy, and yeah, you've got the right to be offended easy. I'm not saying she shouldn't got offended as easily. I'm not saying that either, yeah. But I I think what I didn't like about it was, again, they did for comedy, so Jerry went right to the reservations and Indian Giver and all this other stuff, but like, I think if you're trying to make a valid point – well, you made the valid point saying, hey, this whole show is based about people who can't communicate well to each other, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But I kind of wonder – so they spent 10 minutes of a show talking about this, and I'm thinking back then and especially now, hey, when you're dealing with somebody that's different, uh, a different skin color, a different belief system on something, the whole thought would be is, okay, yeah, you can express your feelings you shouldn't make fun of each other. And you find a way of recognizing your, what you, what you find similar and, and you work toward that. And I, I just didn't like how they portrayed her as, Hey, anything that is offensive, she gets offended at it, and Jerry doesn't understand and everything. I, I wish there was a way to kind of wrap it up because it's almost like, ha ha, you know, they're saying racial stuff and they don't get each other. And, I don't know. Like, I don't want Seinfeld to teach me about race. I, I just got left with a bad taste after that part of the episode. Or am I looking way too much into it?
1: I don't know. Um, well, you brought something up that's very interesting that I thought about while you were talking. Actually, no offense. Um, <laughs> but in that episode with Elaine and the boyfriend, yeah, there, there was um, acknowledgement of the situation. This one, like Jer, um, when she was sitting with George in the restaurant, and George is like, I don't think we should be talking about this, you know, and um, there was like acknowledgement that there was an issue here. It was just he said something, he said a bunch of things that were offensive. She got mad. Once she walked a couple times she walked away there was never any kind of discussion about the issue you know it's i mean i'm i'm not i'm not saying any of this to say that any of this was acceptable you know you shouldn't you shouldn't say these kinds of things you know it's true yeah. and i agree with that but i mean i think the thing that we now 20 years later have come to realize in dealing with a lot of these things is yes, you shouldn't say them, but there's really a reason you shouldn't say them, you know? Yeah. Reason people get upset. You know, it's not just people getting upset. In my opinion, like these kinds of things, there should be some learning going on, you know? Yeah. In this case, there's a lot of language in our society that's very rough to Italian, um, Italian, Indian, Indians, you know, Native Americans. Um, yeah, I guess I looked at the Elaine issue as, yeah, it was a racial
0: issue. It's an issue that we face, but they didn't a light matter. Where you know, whatever Elaine's race turned out to be, it's fine, and whatever his race turned out to be, it's fine. I I think this was a little bit deeper of issue. And I I wasn't expecting them like to have a big racial seminar afterwards and they explain what they did or whatever. But I kind of wish there was a more satisfying conclusion because it it went a little deeper and darker than Elaine's relationship with her boyfriend, I guess.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that to me that clouded the episode. And I'll be honest, if you take some of that away, I like the rest of the episode. I mean Uh, I thought the Cigar Store Indian was kind of weird that Jerry bought. But obviously, you know, he buys the Cigar Store Indian to set up the conflict in the story between him and the girl he was dating. I mean, I totally get that. Um, I I just think it's kind of weird. I mean, not that it's too extravagant a gift, but... Man, like, could you imagine me bringing up a cigar for Indian up in News Herald or something? It seems like a weird gift to buy somebody, but I don't know.
1: yeah, it, it it was kind of out of the blue, you know. Yeah. Um. I mean, he was he was trying to show off in front of Winona, the, yeah. who is Native American, um, but you know he had no idea she was and. He just wouldn't he wouldn't stop, you know. And, yeah. I mean, like I said previously to to you, Chris, on you know, off the air, that um I uh <laughs> it's pretty easy to say that Jerry is the cause of pretty much everything that goes wrong in this episode. Oh <laughs> where, yeah, yeah. He's he, he gets he screws around and gets you know Winona mad at him. He gets Kramer, you know, to screw up. With the one of the worst versions of the uh, Indian uh, American Indian offense you know types of offense that you can do um, and then he give, he gives a, he gives Elaine Mr. Costanza's TV book, you know, yeah. and, you know and gets her in trouble you know it's just it's crazy the way everything just sort of, flows from Jerry in this episode,
0: and there's never really any comeuppance for Jerry other than he loses the girl, probably. I really think, you know, sometimes we talk about MVPs the episode. Maybe we should leave it at this. Um, You know, Jerry and the, the girlfriend were the least valuable players the episode because if this episode was a half hour of just Jerry and the girlfriend, yeah, it could be the worst ever by far. Mm-hmm. I, I was satisfied with the other aspects, so maybe we should focus more of our time on the, the fun aspects yeah. of it i I liked um i, I like the uh, well how did we start? um
1: Starting with George yeah, There's like so much going on with George in this episode. oh, yeah, it's fantastic, you know from is the way he reacted to Kramer using the little soaps that you're not supposed to use in someone's fashion. And the way he reacted to Jerry putting the cup down on the coffee table, you know, with his, you know, it didn't get very much, it didn't get a lot of laughs in the show, but one of the best best lines in this whole episode is where George, you know, he says, well, why don't you put a coffee table book over it? And he's like, my parents don't read. Oh, wonder why is on the table. Yeah. It's a great wine. Um, and then the way that the guy in the store talks to him and he says, <laughs> he says when Jerry or when George says, um, I have to have it back on Monday um, because my parents are coming home. And the guy says, oh, you left them home. They, they left you home alone, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then the girl, the girlfriend, I forget. I honestly don't remember what her name is. The girl that works at the store, you know, she's she sees his baby picture in the house, and he's she's like, it kind of goes around with the rest of the decor.
0: <laughs> Keep talking. I'm putting my plug on my computer in. And... Oh, okay. yeah, but it was interesting. And you've said this before. I I really think for the whole cast, there is a bunch of fun that could be had on these episodes when you look at how they kind of revert back to their childhood often.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, we had the other episode where um you know, Kristen Miller, who is um Drew Carey's girlfriend and friend mm-hmm. on the Drew Carey show, you know, there was that episode where you know there was a lot of, hey, do you like George? Yes or no and everything. Yeah. I thought that was uh, funny too. And I, I thought the show kind of went into that too, which made me a lot. Yeah. I
1: really um also, you know, we got our old MVP, you know, George, uh, Frank Costanza, and the style is pretty good too. Um, but Frank Costanza is hilarious in this episode, where he when he grounds him. Yes. <laughs> you know that's awesome. The fact that he could pick out um, that his TV guide was missing because the stack wasn't big enough, the stack of mail wasn't big enough. Um, He's awesome, and you know, he's awesome in every episode. The way he talks to the guy that brings <laughs> brings Elaine the cut up, TV guy, you know, he's talking about which ones he likes the best, which epi- which uh, editions he likes the best is just outstanding. Um, that guy is the guy who then goes and I I have to I didn't one thing I didn't check is um, I didn't look to see if this episode was first it must have been. If this episode was before the one where that guy made the mannequin <laughs> that looks like Elaine. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about the uh, about that part.
0: I I yeah, I think you know, we have said this before. any episode of Jerry Stiller makes yeah. it great. I mean, you know, you could have the worst episode Put Jerry Stiller in, and that, that brings up at least fifty points for me. Um, yeah, I thought Jerry Stiller was fantastic. I will say one line that maybe as a parent I totally get. I uh, it was meant to be a funny line when Jerry grounds him, and yeah, yeah. I mean, grounding an adult is kind of silly, but I I do think there's was a lot of truth in what he said, saying, "Hey, if you come back here, you gotta respect the rules of the house." Yeah, it was funny in a comedy show, and I understand that to be a funny line. Maybe Jerry kind of did that from his own life. Maybe Ben Stiller lived with him for a little bit as a doll. I don't know what it is, but I kind of heard that line and said, "Boy, that makes sense." And I kind of, you know, thought back to my childhood and everything. Um, I remember after college, living at home for like six months uh, as I was looking for uh, my first job. Turn triumph News Herald, where Laura and I worked. Um, yeah, I lived at home, and my parents kind of kept a little bit tired with fists and said, "Hey, you live here at the house." So, I it was funny. I didn't know if that was meant to be a fine line or not, but I actually saw some truth in that line that Jerry said. Jerry Stiller said, um, "I thought that was a, a good line." Uh, but you know, yeah, the whole thing about you know him taking his girlfriend, uh, you know, they had sex in in his parents' house. Uh, I thought that was funny. I thought the part where she was looking around the house and commenting. Because you know, obviously George is trying to make it look like it's his house, but the decorations are old. The yeah. the drink—I think it was prune juice—is why he offered her a drink, and
1: he lost the combination to the to the liquor cabinet. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, another thing. Go run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another another thing that made me laugh was the the stuff about the coffee table book. Yeah. That came from, you know, the damage Jerry did to the, to the coffee table. Um, and him meeting Mr. Lippman at the store and Lippman wanting the Indian. Uh, and uh, Lippman telling Elaine, this is the kind of idea you should be coming up with. What the hell are you, what the hell do you do here all time? Yeah. <laughs> I mean the coffee table book shows up a lot in this episode, in this um, series, you know, after this, you know, and its beginnings are hilarious and it becomes so much better when he's, when he does finally make it onto uh, Regis and Kathy Lee with the, it becomes a coffee table Whereas this version was, it was a coaster going to be on it, um, which I loved, you know, Kramer, you know, Kramer's always fallen, you know, ass backward into millions. Um, the other thing that made me laugh was the gyro situation on the trail. Yeah. And the fact that neither one of the people who went to get a gyro was able to get it. So these must be like solid gold gyros that they're that uh, <laughs> that they're that attractive to people to try to get them anyway um 3 bucks for a gyro even 20 years ago would have been pretty good. Um the uh did you stay to the end of the episode to see Al Roker? Yeah. It
0: was interesting. Like they always got some, you know, interesting um, you know, guest cameos there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I thought it was funny. I mean, Al Roker said this secondly, but um, the creepy guy that was interested in Elaine beforehand, mm-hmm. I love how they're like, you know, hey, is that your boyfriend? No, I'm single. It's- interesting. I mean, it just made me laugh because how many times would you respond to that at all? You know what I mean? Like, if you're looking for a date or if, or somebody offers you a job, I mean, what worse response is you like, hey, interesting? You know, it just kind of, it makes your skin crawl, but it
1: made me laugh. At least, uh. At least you know that Al Roker, if you went out to dinner with him, he probably could buy you a dinner. Yeah. um, The thing about Al Roker, and I don't even know if you know this, Chris, um, growing up where you did. um, Al Roker used to be on uh, the news in Cleveland before he went national. Oh, okay. He was a TV uh, weatherman in Cleveland on WKYC. Yep. And um, he went from here to um national in New York. And it's funny that we were watching this episode because as I was looking through um I honestly forget if it was Twitter or Facebook, but he came back this week to Cleveland and was like going yeah, I saw that. Yeah. places and stuff. So it was pretty it was pretty ironic, you know, that you know we were looking at him there and you know he's always been like a a good guy, because
0: I I always I always remember him as really good for the city when he was here. So yeah, lots of interesting notes about Al Roker. I I don't usually check into Today Show, but I remember oh uh, he had that big deal where I guess he gave a fist pump to Joe Biden when he mm-hmm. became the vice president, and they made a big deal about how Biden ran over and gave him a fist pump mm-hmm. on the parade route when he became president. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had the the stomach surgery. Um, yeah. yeah it was, he lost his back
1: He was very heavy here.
0: Yeah. Um, when he worked here. Yeah. Was, so just lots of interesting segments of Al Roker's life. It's uh, a yeah. good run. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that, did, I mean,
1: I don't know how much we talked about it on this. No, not a bunch, but The other, like my takeaway from this whole episode is that Jerry, like like I said earlier, Jerry is the big problem in this whole whole episode. You know the way that Costanza, um, Mr. Costanza talks about Elaine and when the guy comes and he said he's looking for Elaine and she said, "Oh, she's my Mrs. Costanza said she's my son's friend and and uh, Frank yells and she's not welcome in this house." Yeah. But she never she never turned on him, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, I would have. You know? It's not... I mean, she didn't take it. He just gave it to her, you know?
0: <laughs> well, I'm okay with Jerry being the foil to adding all kinds of craziness to the episode. I just... This is one of the signfall episodes where, you know, don't have the cigar part of the story. I think that was by far the weakest storyline. And called something else. I mean, I I liked the whole George thing. I thought that was entertaining. Um, I, I thought Lane with the creepy guy and the whole deal about, you know, the TV guides. I mean, who collects TV guides? I mean, I'm sure there's people it's out there. A lot I, you know, collection. I, I mean, I, I really think Jerry's role in this was the third, you know, best. I mean, it was the weakest storyline. And it should have been called something to do with George's deal, you know? I mean, uh, give George a little more screen time. I, I mean, I I think that part was really funny. I, I, the Jerry part, it just left me more confused and satisfied. And I, even the Elaine thing, I mean, the guy was weird, but it was kind of funny and how it intersected with uh, George and the girlfriend. I, I thought that was good. And maybe Jerry knew it. Maybe Jerry figured his role in this was just to aggravate the other people in the story. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and credit to Jerry, because you know, you know, you, you had really talented co stars, I, I guess you would call it with uh, you know George Lane and uh, Kramer and hey you spotlighted you spotlight a little bit of the best of those guys in there. And, but I, I just, maybe my concern is more of I didn't like the cigar store storyline. I didn't like the fact that's what they called the show. I mean, called it something else. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so it's tough. Was there anything else from this episode we should talk about? I'm trying to make mm-hmm. sure there was anything else major. Um.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm looking through
0: my notes. that I always take notes as I watch. I think we've hit on every major thing that I've noticed. Yeah, I, I just, to me, the TV guys are weird to collect. I used to be a baseball card collector, and the big magazine was Beckett Baseball Card Monthly, and mm-hmm. I used to collect those, but after a while I felt weird writing even collect those, so. I don't know. I'm maybe I'm not a collector anymore. Is there any old magazines that you once collected? You
1: know, it's funny. When I... um when I don't know if you ever heard of um, Real Simple magazine. Yes, um, I used to save them, thinking oh, I was going to go back and, you know, find like ideas and stuff. But then when I moved to Canton, I was like, I don't need four thousand of these magazines, and I threw them away. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So. I mean, I have a book series. I have all the books of. But I'm not really collecting. I'm not like keeping a pristine condition. It's just a series that when I have time to read, I'll sit and read a book from it. But yeah, I'm not as much of a collector anymore. I don't know I I get fascinated by shows like Pawn Stars that you can you know see how much stuff's worth. But yeah, I'm not that collector guy anymore. But
1: <laughs> I, 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 it's very strange. Very strange. So I having everything digital now makes it easier not to have physical. So much physical stuff you know oh yeah well
0: i mean looking back at newspapers man my my thing uh you know we were putting out what was it we were putting out four editions so i mean it was very similar papers but it was four different editions of the same paper and if we were late they're late enough i'd take one or two maybe three of each edition and my wife would get so upset going man and i i never really collected news heralds, but it started to stack up, It really made my wife mad. Yeah,
1: it's funny. I still have a bunch of my uh, papers and clips from when I was in college. Really? Oh, yeah. For I don't know why. I mean, because we don't you don't send that kind of resume if you're looking for a job anymore. So whenever I find them, they will be hitting me, hitting me outbox. <laughs> the
0: the problem I have is links that I've written. Um, obviously, you know, the internet wasn't as pronounced back in the old time, but I know a lot of papers I used to work for, they would change their web system, and they would lose old content, which was tough. I mean, uh, we're having that issue a little bit where we work at now, but especially look at papers that worked at the past, I mean, a place I was editor for, I, I used to write up some stuff for them. I think there's one link that's still available, which is crazy because I worked there for a couple of years, so very strange. So, all right, well, let's take a look at next week, what we're talking about. Um,
1: very excited about this one. Oh, the library. Yeah. Yes. I am too. Very excited about this episode. Yeah. Philip
0: Baker Hall is the library investigation officer. Yes. Very underrated. I I don't know if I would rank that one at my top, but it is a very good episode. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. It's
1: in my list that I made. of um, I think it was. I think I ended when I added one that we went over recently. I think I have eighteen on my seventeen on my list now. So. I don't know if it would be my
0: top seventeen, but I'm looking at this vulture list we're this podcast off of,
1: mm-hmm. and I'm
0: looking at, and it says forty six, which I would classify as probably a little bit too low in my opinion.
1: So yeah, it's a good one. It's right up there for me. Very, Because the way that he talks to him when he comes to the house is just ridiculous. Yeah. And when he, one of the best parts of that conversation is where he says, you know, you don't have any Sanka. Why don't you have any Sanka? <laughs> yeah. Makes me laugh.
0: Very well, and it's, you know, I think you said, it. I mean, if somebody remembers one thing from his podcast, I remember what Laura said about Seinfeld. It's just—it's a show about people who have a hard time communicating. I mean, that's that's probably a good way of of saying Seinfeld in a sentence. Yeah, it's good. Not
1: really a sure show about nothing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, because honestly, the more you think about, it, I mean, you know, I've I've heard people talk about that's just other people man, you know, you can put Seinfeld a lot of our lives could be based on a Seinfeld episode, and you know, I I find it true with a lot of just goes. but I, I think again, you know, it's interpersonal communications. I took a class about that in college, and I'm sure if I was teaching that today, I could pretty much play a lot of Seinfeld clips in that, so it should be good. So, yeah, next week, look forward to getting back together and discussing the library. Uh, Laura, as always, thanks. I appreciate it, and have a good rest of your day. Um, you know, For Laura, this is Chris. Uh, thanks for checking out the Sci- Seinfeld episode uh, podcast. We'll see you next week. Have a good one.
1: Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron Macaulay.
0: Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you.